I'm Hillary McClure, Vice President of Multimedia Productions at Cybercrime Magazine. I'm here today with Roger Grimes, data-driven defense evangelist for Know Before, the world's first and largest new school security awareness training and simulated phishing provider that helps you manage the ongoing problem of social engineering. To learn more about Know Before, visit knowbefore.com. Roger, welcome. Pleasure as always. Glad to be here. Roger, last week we talked about password managers and how they can be hacked, but also why you should still use them regardless. I think a fitting continuation on that topic of passwords for this week concerns a hot story that I read in TechCrunch, and I I know you also read it. A government watchdog spent $15,000 to crack a federal agency's password in minutes, highlighting the poor cybersecurity posture of the Department of the Interior with the department's security policies allowing easily guessable passwords, such as your all-time favorite, password1234. It'd be great if you could take us further through this story and what kind of message this should send to other federal agencies regarding their cyber posture. Well, you know, I think it should send messages to every company in the world. And I even wrote an article going on it saying the ultimate lesson learned from it is your implemented password complexity is probably not enough to stop all attacks. And what this, it was the, some auditing agency officer of the interior general or something that basically got the password hashes of a whole bunch of the networks, different agencies. It was kind of nice. They waited, apparently passwords expire every 90 days. So they waited until after 90 days to actually give them to the password auditors. And then the password auditors used, I think, two different eight GPU password hash cracking rigs. So two different computers that had eight graphic processing units. So for a total of 16 graphic processing units, which I would say, you know, is probably stronger than most people that do password hash cracking have 16 GPUs, but not nearly on the upper end. Like, I don't think they revealed how many password hash guesses they were capable of doing a second, but you know, I would guess probably they were somewhere around 1 trillion or something like that, maybe a little bit above, a little bit below. But we do know that there are many organizations, just in regular penetration testers that have hundreds of GPUs. So instead of 16, they could guess using hundreds of GPUs. And so, you know, what's thought of as kind of the maximum password hash cracking speed these days is tens of trillions of guesses per second for the mid-range. And probably upwards, you know, going close to 100 trillion guesses per second on the high end. Like if you really had a lot of computing power, like it's equivalent to like a really big Bitcoin miner, you know, with just hundreds or thousands of machines could probably do 100 trillion guesses per second. And we think nation states probably have that. So this internal auditor did password hash cracking on these internal U.S. agencies using, I would say, a lower end mid-level. could be a little bit above the mid-level. I don't know, but nothing spectacular. Let's say very, very average. And then doing that, they were able to crack 16% of people's passwords in under 90 minutes. (laughs) And then it's interesting that they were able to break a total of 21% of people's passwords, which I thought was interesting. So if they broke 16% in the first 90 minutes, and then overall, given whatever the length of the study was, they were only able to break 21%. That means that if your password didn't fall in the first 90 minutes, more than likely it was going to survive the entire exercise because only an additional, you know, 
5% fell. But they did find all kinds of things, including a lot of passwords. You know, the most common password was you have password one, two, three, four, five or something and change me. And let me say, anyone that does password hash auditing will find similar results. These agencies were not weak. Even when you do have password policies that say you can't use the word password, somehow, you know, these things just end up in the system. Somebody's like, oh, I got to hard code this interface or this API or whatever. So not all of your passwords are as strong as your password policy. There's always like some old mid-range mainframe system that can only take a six-digit password or something. But the real lesson to me was, and, and we do frequent password hash auditing at Nobefore every month. And we require long passwords. You have to have at least 16 or 17 or 20 characters, and it has to have default standard. Today, the standard complexity, which really came out of probably Microsoft's work, is that when someone says, oh, I have password complexity enabled, it typically means that you have to use at least one uppercase character and that you usually have to have a number or a symbol somewhere in there. That would be considered very standard complexity. Again, uppercase, lowercase letters plus a number and or a symbol. Sometimes you're required to have one or the other. Sometimes you're required to have both. That would be considered very normal, standard password complexity. And you might, if you're being audited, you would be found to have a weakness if you didn't have this standard password complexity enabled. But what I think this audit shows is that if the attackers can get to your password hashes, and let me say, you know, that's an if, because to get to your password hashes, typically the attacker has to not only have access to the inside of your network, but also have privileged access. On a Microsoft Active Directory network, they would need to be admin, local admin, domain admin, enterprise admin, or something like that. On a Linux, Unix, you know, Mac network, they would need to be root or something like that to get access to the password hashes. Although there are many ways where you can remotely find out people's hashes. I frequently show an exercise where Kevin Mitnick demonstrated a demo where he can send you an email. And if you get tricked into clicking on the link or even opening up the email, in some instances, he can get your password hash. If you have a browser that's Windows integrated authentication enabled, which most popular browsers are. And if I get on a Windows network, I can do something called Kerberos roasting or Kerberosting. Turns out that if I get on any Windows Active Directory network, as a regular user, I don't even have to be a privileged user. I don't have to be admin. I don't have to be anything. I can be just a regular user with no elevated privileges. I can extract the password hashes, the NT hashes of all the service accounts, which usually almost always involves a really highly privileged account, like an account that is doing your vulnerability testing or doing your patch updating or doing your backups. When I was a hacker for 20 years, penetration tester, one of the first things you do anytime you break into anybody's machine is you dump and you try to crack the passwords or password hashes of the services in the first machine you go to, because typically those accounts are shared many times among the entire environment, and that leads you to taking over the whole environment. The average penetration tester can go from one machine compromised to the entire network compromised in about eight minutes. So, you know, in order to do password hash cracking, guessing very fast, you have to be able to get the password hashes, and that's not a given. And it's not done by every hacker, but it is frequently done by hackers. Most sophisticated hackers that break into a person's machine or break into a network are going to dump the hashes. And there's lots of 
hacker tools like a pass is called password dump or password hash dump or PW dump or mimikits or things. There's just lots of hacking tools that allow you to capture password hashes. And then you can crack them using a password hash cracking tool like Hashcat or when I used to do it a lot, it was John the Ripper was the really big tool. These days, Hashcat is kind of the primary password hash cracking tool. And again, you know, ask yourself, would your password withstand guessing if the attacker could guess at it trillions to tens of trillions of times a second? Probably not. So I think what this government agency audit showed where they broke 21% of passwords, I think if they had a better password hash cracking rig with hundreds of GPUs, graphical processing units, they would have broke most of them. And again, what I think this shows is that if you're worried about password hash cracking and you should be worried about password hash cracking, your standard password complexity is not enough. And the reason why is that most people, when they're told, oh, you got to have a complex password, something like 80% of people will do a password that looks like this. They will create a password where the first character of the password is uppercase. It's typically a consonant, and it's typically followed by a lowercase vowel, A, E, I, O, or U. If they're told to use a number or a symbol, they'll usually put it at the end. If it's a number, it's usually going to be one or two, or maybe to be a year, like 2022. If they're going to use a symbol, it typically would be the pound sign, at sign, or explanation point. When I was at Microsoft, a guy did a survey and found out that something like 80, 85% of people use the same 17 characters. So even though your keyboard on your typical PC on at least a US keyboard is capable of doing at least 94 different symbols, most passwords are composed of the same 17 symbols. Most people aren't using the space sign. Most people aren't using the underscore. Most people aren't using Q or Z. So the problem with most passwords, even the complex passwords, is that they're not really truly that complex. They're not that hard to guess. And hackers just do what's called a modified password dictionary guessing attack. And it just takes different words that you might use, like baseball or change me or password or whatever. And then they start, they make the first character uppercase and the second uh, character lowercase. And then they start adding stuff on the end and throwing in symbols. And then they're doing that at trillions of times per second on your password hash. So to me, the key giveaway here was not that these U.S. government agencies were weak, not at all. The passwords that they show that they compromised would absolutely pass any password auditing check. They were long, you know, 10, 12 characters long. They had standard complexity and they still fell. And let me say that's, you know, the ones that had password in it wouldn't pass a password audit, but the vast majority of passwords that fell followed the password complexity rules. And they found lots of accounts that were inactive that had weak passwords that shouldn't have been inactive. And they compromised super user accounts as easy as they did regular user accounts. So yeah, I actually wrote an article again off of this called, is your company's password complexity requirement strong enough? It probably isn't. And what I recommend is that you know, people use phishing-resistant MFA to protect valuable data and systems where they can. And if you can't, use a password manager. And that's because a password manager can create unique, perfectly random passwords that the world's strongest password hash cracking rig cannot crack. A 12-character, perfectly random password has a password hash that is unguessable by any known, feasible, modern day that we know of 
password hash or password guessing attack. And so that's what you know we said is the problem is is that if you're just creating the standard password complexity password, it's not as strong as you think. And if you want it to survive, we think, you know, if you're going to you know use a password manager so you get perfectly random passwords, or if you create it out of your head, it should be 20 characters or longer. I know a lot of people that break 18 character passwords. I don't know anybody breaking 20 character passwords. And also do things to switch it up. Like don't put the uppercase character in the first position. Don't make the second letter to be a lowercase vowel. If you use numbers, don't just do a one or a two and don't just put it at the end. If you do symbols, use a different type of symbol and don't just put it at the end. So there's lots of defenses that you can do. Again, starting with using phishing resistant MFA as your starting point and a password manager if you can't use MFA. Those are your two best defenses. But that's what I would say. If anyone's looking at that article and saying, oh, this is yet another example of a U.S. government agency being weak, well, almost everybody's company is as weak as those companies that they did the testing on. I found it to be largely representative of what I would just guess to be 99% of U.S. companies. I think 99% of companies throughout the world today have the same password policies, the same password issues are worse. Okay, that's helpful because you answered every question I could have had about that. And I liked your article that you wrote, and I figured it was a result of this, but I wasn't sure if it could also be a happy coincidence that you wrote that article in such a timely manner. At No Before, our security officer comes on to talk to everybody at least once a month. And he will frequently go, hey, I cracked all these passwords. And he would say, you know, you people need to switch it up and blah, blah, blah. But what I noticed was that all the passwords he was showing that he cracked they're all ones that would pass any password audit, you know, like change me 1961 or something like that. I was like, these people are actually following the designated password policy, yet their passwords are still being successfully guessed. I'm like, I don't think it's a problem with the person. I think it's a problem with the password policy. If you've got people whose passwords you're guessing when you do this password hash cracking audit, I wouldn't blame the person if it's a password that met the current password policy complexity requirements, because that means your password policy complexity requirements are weak or too weak. I think simply saying you need to make sure that you don't use an uppercase first carrot, whatever it might be. Well, maybe you need to have checks for that to make sure people aren't using password or change me or baseball or whatever any of the other most popular passwords are. Maybe, you know, if they shouldn't use an uppercase first character, maybe don't allow it, you know, but I don't know of any system or operating system that without using third-party software that would allow you to craft the perfect password policy. Instead, what every operating system does is has a set of password, you know, policy restrictions that would still allow most people's passwords to be hacked. And so keeping with the theme of passwords, before I get to the next topic, did you have anything else you wanted to share on the first topic? I should have asked you that. No, I, I, I totally, I, I'm completely spent. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then let's transition you on to this next topic. And then you can probably be spent on this one at the end of the episode too. Norton LifeLock has warned their customers that they have fallen victim to a credential stuffing attack with cyber attackers using a third-party list of stolen username and password combinations to attempt to break into Norton accounts and possibly password managers. So to start off on this, I think it'd be helpful if you could remind us what a credential stuffing attack is and then tell us more about this story and share with our audience what they should know if by chance they are a Norton LifeLock customer. 
Yeah, so credential stuffing attacks, actually, I think in the article that's referenced, they actually refer, it really isn't credential stuffing, but I, I guess it could be. Traditional credential stuffing, or what's known as a password spray attack, is that the attacker will start guessing at many different login accounts using commonly known passwords. So traditional password guessing is an attacker has your account or my account, and they go to a login portal and they just start guessing a million different passwords, right? That's traditional password guessing attack. But what happens today is most of these logon portals will only let you guess three times, four times, six times in a certain period of time, 15 minutes, 30 minutes before you get hit with account lockout. If account lockout is enabled or rate throttlings enabled, it makes traditional password guessing attacks very difficult to accomplish. So what attackers do more often these days, or certainly is really one of the most popular attacks, is they'll get a list of everybody, as many people as they can inside a particular companies. You know, at before they try to see if they get the email addresses of all 1,500 of our employees. And then they start guessing slowly across all of those accounts on the login portal using a different name and only doing enough guesses that it won't set off the account lockout. They'll actually usually do a test and see how many logins does it take to lock out somebody's account. And that tells them what the maximum threshold is. And a lot of times the, hey, your account's locked out, will even tell you how long they're locked out for, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, or until the administrator unlocks it or something like that. So the traditional conventional password credential stuffing attack is the attackers will get all these logon names and then try different types of common passwords. What it can also mean and what it is meant in the Norton LifeLock hack article is that the hackers had recovered the victim's email accounts and other password dumps. Like, so all of us, you know, Hillary, your passwords, my passwords, many of our passwords are likely out there in various password dumps. Matter of fact, you should go to Troy Hunt's Have I Been Pwned, P-W-N-D, Dot com and see if your password has been compromised. And I think my password has been compromised 15 times over the last 30 years. Nothing that I did, it was that Facebook got compromised, Twitter got compromised, Adobe got compromised. You know, So when you put in passwords, the average person logs onto over 170 websites in a given year. And you know, theoretically, percentage-wise, at least one or two of those websites will get compromised by hackers in a given year, and the hackers will have your passwords or password hashes. And so over time, all of our passwords get put in these password dump lists. And apparently what happened in this Norton LifeLock hack is that the attacker got a whole bunch of people's passwords, and they then tried them against the Norton login account. So Norton's password manager let me say, I probably know of about 20 different password managers and Norton's one that I knew about. It's not the most popular one by far. It's kind of an also ran, but if you use Norton LifeLock, there's a chance you may use the Norton password manager because it's part of the service that they offer. But that password manager is managed by your Norton account. So whatever account that you use to log into Norton LifeLock, so that would be, you know, for most people, it'd be their login name or some login name they made up, followed by their password. What the attacker did in the Norton hacking attack is that they found users' passwords from other website compromises and then used them to log in to the Norton accounts. And from there, they would get access to the people's Norton password manager. 
and then from there get access to everyone's password that's stored in the password manager. And, and Norton proactively noticed this because of a lot of logins, because the attacker was just too aggressive in how many accounts they logged into all at once. The ironic thing about it is that password credential stuffing attacks only happen if you're resharing passwords between different websites or you have a weak password. So the irony of it is that if these users were using the password manager to manage the Norden password manager account, that would mean that they would have a unique, very strong, perfectly random, as I talked about, a 12-character perfectly random password is unguessable, uncrackable. If they were actually using the Norden password manager program to manage their Norden account, they wouldn't have been compromised. So, you know, some people, I actually had a reporter ask me, uh, because, you know, this is the latest hack after LastPass had a couple of hacks, you know, is this meaning that you shouldn't use a password manager? I'm like, no, the Norton LifeLock password manager hack is a example of why you should use a password manager. <laughs> you know, the people that were compromised were only compromised because they were not using the product correctly. I guess perhaps that's counterintuitive for some, but I think your clarification is helpful. I've gone to that website you mentioned, Have I Been Pwned? Um, is it haveibepwned.com? Is that, is yep, that what it is? Yep. I've been on okay. Pwn, I'm never sure how to say the last part. I I'm not an elite I'm not an elite hacker, apparently. I know. I, well, the the whole, the, um, like, ha, it's pwned to own, is the, it, which is that whole, um, like, it's not a festival, but that event. And so yep. that's, I think that was, pronounced- by, that was by Cansec West or is right. by Cansec okay. West. Yeah. And so I think it's supposed to rhyme. So I think it's pwn because to own, because that would be catchy, okay. right? That's, that's, I, that's I, how I, I'm rationalizing. You, I'm sure you're right. So did you put in your login name or your email address and see how many, did it come back and tell you how many had been compromised? I did. I had three and they were um, websites that I didn't even use anymore, like logins for online retailers that I think were absorbed by other larger retailers. So it wasn't really a big deal for me. Yeah, one of mine was like diet.com. And if you see me, (laughs) uh, obviously that didn't take hold. Oh, Uh, Yeah, I should go back there. But that's a weird thing. Like if you use password patterns, like I used to think I was elite because I knew you're supposed to use a different password in every website. So I would do like frog tw for twitter frog d for diet.com frog fb for facebook like and i wasn't using frog but let's say i had a root word like change me or something well i thought i was being great because different passwords for every website but then i I started to think about it if they've got a list of a couple of my passwords and they're seeing this root word they're going to go hey i bet roger's using frog a for amazon (laughs) right yeah so that's why you can't do patterns and that's why you need a password manager or use MFA where you can and the password manager where you can. And by the way, so Troy Hunt, who works for Microsoft, who did work for Microsoft, he started that, you know, haveibeenpawned.com. It's a great thing to go check out if it's just you want to see whether your passwords have been compromised. Uh, if you want to check everybody for your whole company, we at Know Before have a password called Password IQ that will let you check for weak passwords and compromised passwords for everybody in your company. So if you want to, you can go download that for free, Password IQ. Very cool. Well, any final thoughts? Or I feel like you've done such a great job on the topics that I threw at you, but I just wanted to offer that up if there was anything else you wanted to share. I'll just end with saying, you know, use phishing resistant multi-factor authentication wherever you can to protect valuable data and systems. Use a password manager where you can't make sure that, you know, you allow your password manager to create long, unique 
perfectly random password to every website and service that you use. And if you have to create a password that you use, like maybe it's your password manager's master password, make sure it's at least 20 characters long. And if you do those three things, you're probably not going to have to worry about password guessing or password cracking attacks. Fantastic. Well, Roger, as always, thank you so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to next week. Yep. Thanks, Hillary. And thanks everyone who listens in every week. Thanks, Roger. I'm Hillary McClure, Vice President of Multimedia Productions at Cybercrime Magazine. Joining me today was Roger Grimes, data-driven defense evangelist for Before, the world's first and largest new school security awareness training and simulated phishing provider that helps you manage the ongoing problem of social engineering.